series um, talking about Holy Spirit, and you hear that you hear His name and that word mentioned a number of times throughout uh, the service so far today, and and uh, it's something that that in some one that we've been talking uh, talking about. Last week we started kind of a two part section, and uh, so today if there's some questions you have, they may have been answered last week, but I encourage you to ask them anyways. Uh, and we've been talking about about Holy Spirit, uh, the relationship that we can have with Him. See, He's a person. He's not like a power. It's not like it's a force uh, uh, that, uh, that, that moves uh, in, in our lives or that is spooky and, and, and strange. He's a person, and He's invited us into relationship with Him. He, uh, he's described as our comforter, as our friend, as our strength. Um, we talked about being aware of Him. Just being aware that Holy Spirit is, he, he's always here. You can't leave him. He's the, he's the part of God that lives in us. And so sometimes we're like, we're looking for God somewhere and we think we got to travel to a certain building somewhere because that's where God is. Maybe that's why he came this morning. Like Sunday mornings, church, that's where, that's where God is. That's my spiritual life. Your whole life is spiritual, whether you realize that or not. He's everywhere. And so the, the thought was that he'd say, I want you to become more aware of me, aware of me at work, and, and uh, then listening for his voice, what he may want to say uh, to you um, throughout your day, to be filled with him, uh, which we talked about is just being influenced by him. If we would allow him to influence our decisions and our actions, what would that look like? And so um, last week we started talking about the manifestation of Holy Spirit, the power of Holy Spirit. We realized that God wants us to have his love primarily. He said, you know, this, this whole idea of the power of Holy Spirit, it's about his love uh, and the relationship that we have with him and with others. He says, my power is not going to break apart relationships. That's not how it works. He said, my, my heart has always been relationship, me and you, and relationship with you and your brothers, making sure that that stays, um, stays healthy. And so we, we started looking at that. Um, but as we begin to talk about the, the power of Holy Spirit, um, that can bring up some, some things, depending on your past, depending on your, your history. You know, it's, uh, if you were raised in churches where there was some, you know, some manifestations of Holy Spirit, and maybe you've got thoughts about that already. And maybe you were raised in church, and you're like, I didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. And maybe you weren't raised in church at all, and you're just like, I don't know what any of this stuff is all about. And for some, it just, um, the, today we realize that everybody's in a different spot. Everybody's, uh, have, uh, their life journey has taken them to a different place. And so our encouragement today is, we're not trying to say, let's get everybody on the same page. It's nothing like that at all. It's the idea of, what's the next step that God wants you to take in your life with him? What does that look like for you? And so as we look through, for some, it may have been that, that first, uh, just kind of opening the door and realizing, oh, Holy Spirit, you're here all the time. I can talk to you at like any time of the day and, and uh, uh, initiate conversation with you. I, I didn't know that, and I want to do more of that. For some of you, it's like, you know what? I've always wanted to share my faith with someone. I just, uh, I just don't know what to say, but man, I just feel now like if I just listen to you, Holy Spirit, you're going to give me the words to say, and that may be the next step. You know, for some of you, it might be to, the next step is to turn off your cell phones. And uh, uh, <laughs> the next... The next step might be, uh, you know, the next step might be that idea of just as you're, as you're relying on him, that, that he leads you into some of the stuff that we're talking about today. But it's about this idea of relationship with him. It is the most important. We know that as we read through the book of Acts, that when Holy Spirit came on people's lives, something happened. It was something powerful, life-changing for them. And so we realize that, you know, the, the life with Christ isn't just about, you know, knowing him mentally. It's not just about, I know all the right stuff. It's, there's an experiential part of knowing the Lord. 
It'd be like you in a, in a marriage relationship, knowing in your head that you love somebody, but never having the experiences with your spouse of, you know, those long walks, those, those close conversations, the, 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 the things that, that make marriage, um, just the, the experience of it. It's, it's that same thing. He's like, I don't want you to just know me here. I want it to the, be that experience as well. And so we talked about that, and we talked a little bit about how Holy Spirit fills believers for the purpose of his mission, which is seeking out and saving lost people and building the church. We, we see it in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He said, you know what, to the disciples, you're going to receive power to go and be my witnesses when Holy Spirit comes on you. In Mark 16, verse 15 to 20, he said, go in all the world and preach the gospel. Go preach good news to the whole world. And it says, and these signs will follow those that believe. Um, in my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues, which we realize is unknown languages. So they'll take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it'll, it'll be, it will by no means hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick. They'll recover. And then it says this in verse 19. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up to heaven, sat down at the right hand of God. And in verse 20, it says, and they went out and they preached everywhere. And the Lord working with them, confirming the word through accompanying signs. Who was doing it? The Lord. Just remember that for a second. He's working with them, but he's the one doing it. And so as we looked last week, we looked at, at, the, at what Paul was writing to the Corinthian church about it. And they had experienced the power of Holy Spirit, but it was causing all kinds of problems for them. It was causing kind of this division, this confusion. And it's one of the reasons why I was so leery about talking about this topic. Because it's one of those things that seems to have like, it, it brings up feelings in, in some that it's like really either strongly for or strongly opposed. And there's some of that, some of that that, that feeling that's like, ugh, ugh. and even that inner wrestle for me, as I read and studied for this online, that the, reading people's you know, experiences and, and uh, they, they sharing them back and forth, and there's kind of this, this becomes this angry, bitter uh, um, uh, war. And I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't really want to stir that up at Kingsway. I, I kind of like the fact that we all love each other. You know, I, I think, I, well, let's leave it at that. And yet there's questions, and I thought this morning I just want to kind of go into teaching mode a little bit, a little different than, than normal, but just to share some of the things that, that I think, and, and I would encourage each of you, as I was challenging to myself, is to just say, you know what, I may have feelings and I may have thoughts. I may have experiences that happen in my life that make me doubt. I have things that make me wonder. I may have experiences that I'm offended at. I would want to encourage you this morning just to say, God, I just want to open my heart to you. Just to what your word simply says. Help me to allow that into my heart simply as a seed. And to allow you to do in my life what you desire. And that's the, 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 the hope that we can ask this morning. So as Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, some have wondered, you know, is, was, was that, does that apply to us? It all applies to us. It may not have been directly written um, to our, it wasn't direct, addressed to Kingsway. It was addressed to the Corinthians. But there's things that as we see, we learn from the stuff that they wrote. But it's important for us to understand that, who it was written to. And we'll see that in a second. So what we learned last week, Paul wasn't writing a manual. He wasn't writing like a step-by-step -step manual, like the Ikea manual for putting something together. You know, here's, here's the Ikea manual for, for Holy Spirit's power. This is how it works from step one all the way to completion. He was simply telling the Corinthian church what they needed to know now. Last week, you remember we talked about this? Because I said, you know, if I saw my son uh, Max hanging upside down in a tree, I would tell him what he needs to know now. I'm not going to walk up to him and say, hey, son, you know, I, I like to explain how gravity works to you. And I'd like to talk to you about the, the, the uh, load-bearing um, values of tree branches. And I'd also like to talk to you, you know, about... Um, Proper weight displacement. So when you're doing things like this, you don't get hurt. I wouldn't explain that all to him. All I would simply say is, get out of the tree. You're going to get hurt. So 
Max probably would have wished that I had explained all that to him because two nights ago, he's climbing a tree. He fell and he broke his arm. So here's Max two nights ago. I know, broke it right here in two places. why he's not here today. Um, But, you know, he probably would have said, well, maybe he would have said, hey, dad, how come you didn't explain all that to me? Because the next time I climbed a tree, I probably would have put all that into practice. He's four. But, you know, and a boy. But I wonder... I wonder about that for us sometimes. You know, as, as a church, I, I think it would have helped us a lot if Paul had given us all of the, the manual and explained everything to us point by point by point. But he didn't. Uh, he didn't explain all of it. He gave us his main point. He says, the main point of all of this is I want you guys to love one another. But in and, and around that main point, he had some other points that, uh, that, that we can learn from. But here's the thing. When Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, he didn't write a step-by-step thing. You know why? He had been there. He had just spent a year and a half teaching them. He just spent a year and a half talking to them about Holy Spirit. They were speaking in other languages. They had experienced the power of Holy Spirit already. So he's like, he's assuming that they already know all of this, that, that stuff. And so he's just simply writing to them some thoughts. And, and, you know, we would do it. I'd explain it like this. If, when I go on holidays, I have somebody come and watch my house. And so I'll leave them a little note on my, on my counter saying, water the gardens every day with the blue watering can. How many of you, if you came over to my house, you would know what to do with that? Some of you are like, this is a trick question. I'm not answering anything today. <laughs> Either that or we got to get really, really basic. So I don't know if you know that water is a liquid that comes out of a tap in Canada. There's, a, there's this spigot-like uh, apparatus with a, with a bowl that catches the excess water. Do I need to explain all this? No, there's a tap. I don't need to explain all this because you guys know all that already. You know, oh, water, yeah, you get out of the tap. Okay, blue watering can. Well, it's just a different than the other watering can, but I, I know what that is. I know what a garden is, and I also know how to water a garden. You know that you're going to pour the water out. It's not like you get there and like, what do I do now? It's, you know all of that. So all I have to write is simple thought. This is what you need to know now. Just water the garden once a day with a blue watering can. And so as we read 1 Corinthians, it's similar to that. Paul's left out a whole lot of things because they already know it. The problem is the North American church, when we read it, if we were to read it just verbatim, there's a whole lot of things that we don't understand. And that, that missing, those missing thoughts that were assumed back then, if we don't realize that those thoughts were there, we'll read this and think, oh, Paul means this, when actually he means something completely different. And it can become so confusing. So this morning, we want to just try and simply clarify what Paul was actually saying to them and allow that to just kind of work in your heart a little bit and see where he wants to take you from there. So uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Paul says to them, now concerning spiritual gifts, and we realize that word wasn't in there, now concerning spiritual life, the power of Holy Spirit, whatever, whatever pertains to the Spirit, he says, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. He says, I don't want you to be unaware. I don't want you to misunderstand what that's all about. I don't want you to be in error. I don't want you to be afraid of it either. He says, I'm writing to you um, about the the manifestations and about the power of Holy Spirit because I want you to understand. And so then he says in in, uh, verse um, 7, he he says, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. He says, when Holy Spirit's power moves on a person, it's meant to bring people together relationship. Again, he continues talking about that. Then he describes them real quick, or actually he just lists them. He doesn't even describe it because they would have known. He says, for to one's given a word of wisdom through the Spirit. That's simply, you know, a chance where you have this idea of knowing how to do something, the right thing at the right time. And for for some, it's like it wasn't even something that you would have would have have learned or known about. And then he says, you know, for others, it's like the uh, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. 
That's knowing something about a situation that you would have no way of knowing. You know, when Jesus talked to the woman at the well, he knew everything that she ever did. And as he shared that with her, like most of us would be like, if you told me all my dirty laundry, I'm, not, I'm getting away from you. But this woman's response was like, wow, this is like miraculous. And so she went and told all of her, her friends, come meet this person. This sometimes happens, you know, through preaching where I'll be preparing or I've heard it so many times. It's happened to me on the other side where, you know, where some of you sometimes come up to me like, you know what? Did you like, was my wife talking to you this week? You know, was, did my husband like text you or did my parents text you and tell you to say that? I'm like, no. And I was like, it felt like you were talking straight to me. And that's just Holy Spirit. That's that thing of, you know, where I'm not, I'm not planning like, oh, okay, that person's going to be there. And I know what they've been into because of Facebook. Let me put this little line in here. It's just the evidence of Holy Spirit speaking to your heart. He talked about faith. And then he says, you know, to some, it's the gifts of healings. And again, the things that I think help us to understand this is the gifts of healings. It's not the gift of instant healing. Healings was this thing of being, you know, this, the, the recovery. But I want you to understand something about this. All of these happen as Holy Spirit wills. We don't decide them. We don't get to decide that it's going to happen now. I'm just going to go and I'm going to heal somebody. That doesn't work like that. Holy Spirit is the one who's doing it, and it's as he wills to do it. And I think sometimes that can cause a little bit of confusion. Sometimes we think, oh, it's something we can do. It's, it's my gift. It, it's it's a something, a power of Holy Spirit that moves through somebody. And it could be anybody. And for some, it happens a lot. But again, that, it's that power that moves through. But it's him. It's Holy Spirit doing it when he wills. The other thing is this, you know, it says there's the working of miracles, this strength, this power, and there's this miraculous thing. Same with the working of miracles. It's Holy Spirit who does the miracle. It's never the person, and it's not even when we want it to. But some, some, for some of us, here's why I say that, because sometimes we get in that spot where we want a miracle so bad, we're going to try and find the formula to make it happen. We want a healing so bad, we'll, be, we'll try and find out, you know, what is, what is it going to take? How much faith is it going to take? How many people are going to pray? Who's got to be the one? Well, I heard somebody, they went, and when they prayed like this over that person, they got healed. Or when that person prayed over them, they got healed. Or whatever it was. And so we, we start trying to find out, what's, what's the formula? There's no formula. It's a simple thing of, as Holy Spirit wills, as, as he desires. You think about Jesus and his miracles. They were all so different. Why is it that, you know, when Jesus, for some, he, he touched them to heal them. For others, you know, there's a blind man who, who needed healing. He spit on the ground and then put the dirt in their eyes. Why didn't he just talk to them or touch that person? Others, it's, in, it's so interesting. As the apostles, there were some where they grabbed them by the hand and they lifted them up. And then there was others where they just walked by and the shadow touched them. And that person got healed. Why? Because Holy Spirit is God and incredible creativity. And he's, as he desires to do something, he's looking for open vessels, people who are just willing to hear his voice and saying, this is what you need to do now. So when we try and find out formulas and we try and figure out, we just end up extremely disappointed. We end up extremely disappointed with God. We end up in spots where like, oh, what did I do wrong? Can I tell you some things that, that you know, we're not all guaranteed to have a Henry experience. I can tell you we're all guaranteed to die. I know, it's kind of depressing, right? Like, why did I come today? <laughs> Can we just be real this morning? That sometimes we think that, you know, it's got to go our way, and, and that's really how we treat God. We come to that thought of, God, this is what we want so bad. You need to do this for us. And we don't intentionally do that with our heart. We just desire things so badly. And yet, it's as he, 
as he wills and as he desires. And it's God's will to heal. We believe that we see that, but we don't get to control it. And when we try and put it in our control, it goes very, very badly. But he simply said, I just want you to be open to me. I want you to keep that communication so that, you know, these, as the apostles had the, just this trust in Holy Spirit, as they were walking along, it says Peter and Paul walking to the temple like they did every day. They saw a, blo- a begging man sitting there who had been there every day. But one day they see him and they're like, wait a second, today's different. How'd they know that? They had just that openness to the Holy Spirit and his voice saying, okay, listen, that guy, go right now. He's the one, they're all begging. He's the one begging. They went up and they said, hey, we got something better for you. In the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. You know where they learned that? They learned that from Jesus. Because as we look at Jesus and see all the miracles he did, guess what he said to his followers? He said to them, listen, I don't do anything unless I see my father doing it. I don't say anything unless I hear him saying it. Constantly listening. So we spent the first number of weeks in this Holy Spirit um, uh, series It's this idea of relationship with him. How do we just develop relationship with Holy Spirit so that we're aware of his voice, listening for him? God, what do you want to say? He said this thoughts, you know, that that Holy Spirit can work through believers in in those ways uh, as as he's willing. He also says, you know, there's prophecy, which is just speaking in English, uh, divinely inspired things, something that God's put on your, on your heart. Then there's the discerning of spirits, knowing, you know, whether something's Holy Spirit, an evil spirit, a human spirit. Every one of these really could have a whole sermon on their own. Then he talked about tongues. It's funny because, you know, Paul's writing to them. He kind of puts tongues at the very end. I think he did it on purpose because that's the one he says, you know, they, for, the, for the Corinthian church, they thought that speaking in other languages, that was like the most important thing. And he's like, listen, it's really not the most important thing. And Holy Spirit can work through. What, I just want to s- explain this one for a minute. Because speaking in other languages, as Holy Spirit gave people power to, it was as he wills. It would be like somebody being here this morning. And all of a sudden, you just feel like there's, there's something on the inside where it feels like, I just have to get this out. Women usually understand that better than men, right? It's got to talk. You know, if it's a man and you feel that, you could be like, yes, I, I know that's God. Like, uh, this is not me. I'm not the guy who's sitting in my seat and, and I just feel like I got to stand up and say something. And, I, and this doesn't even feel like my own language. You'd know, you'd know it was Holy Spirit moving on you. There'd be no doubt. It's not like you're going to go in a trance or anything weird like that. It would just be like, there's something on the inside. I just know that I know that I know that I got to say. And so Paul was describing to them and saying, listen, that person would speak in an unknown language. And uh, he says that there's, it's, it's by Holy Spirit doing that. And then he says, and there's the interpretation of tongues where you would understand a language that you've never spoken before or never learned. And so Paul's saying these things, are, these things are miraculous things that Holy Spirit can do through believers. But what it's meant to do is bring everybody together. It's really crazy as I wish he'd explained it all so that it wouldn't separate people like it does today. It causes so much division, and it's not, it's not meant to. So as we talk a bit about today, I just wanted to uh, finish with 1 Corinthians 14 and try and clarify and just maybe help bring a little bit of clarity to, to maybe why it's been so confusing and just allow Holy Spirit to work the rest of it out in you. Paul, uh, Paul begins to talk about um, this, um, uh, tongues with this group of people. He could have talked about any of those nine things, but why does he talk about tongues? He begins to talk about uh, the speaking in other languages, unknown languages with them, because that's the one that they got all messed up. So he's like, okay, I see you guys like hanging upside down from a tree when it comes to this thing of speaking unknown languages. Here's what you need to know right now so that you don't get hurt and so that you don't hurt anybody else. So what we can assume just by knowing this is the Corinthian church, they all spoke in unknown languages. We know that they already did that because that's what he's writing to them about. 
He doesn't explain how they got that or what happened. We just know they did. We also know that they had evidence of, of um, Holy Spirit's power in, in their life. We, um, we also see from it that, that there's an understanding that there's more than one type or one purpose of speaking in unknown languages. Paul doesn't clearly say, here's one type of speaking in unknown languages and here's another but he alludes to it all the way through. And if you don't realize there's two different types, it gets really, really confusing if you think it's all the one I just described. If you think when he's saying, hey, the speaking in unknown languages is all this one that happens in a church setting, that's like Holy Spirit comes on you, you feel this incredible desire and, uh, to speak out this thing, you, you misunderstand what he says and you can miss out on something so, so incredible. So here's, here's a couple thoughts. Chapter 14 um, Paul starts talking about two different types, and, and we, I want to call them uh, the first one this, the, the public, public speaking in unknown languages. And public's not really the right word. Public, it would be more like for the, for the good of others. But here's the thing, when, when there's a speaking in an unknown language, and maybe some of you have heard it before, if it's in a public place, like in a, in a church gathering or whatever, here's the things you know for sure about it. One, it has to be as Holy Spirit wills. People just can't decide, stand up and say, I'm going to speak an unknown language and, you know, I'll just rattle off something. It's as Holy Spirit wills. It's a manifestation of his presence and power. There'll be no doubt. There'll be no doubt at all that it was Holy Spirit doing it. And this applies to all of those other things we talked about the list. Healings, miracles, you know, prophecy, any of that, uh, um, uh, any of the other stuff. It, you'll know that Holy Spirit is doing it. There's no guessing. Then there's a the thought of it's a known language. So when they spoke out in Acts chapter 2, they spoke out in, in, in a language. Other people who were listening because it was in public, they understood it. And they knew what it meant for them. Then um, the other one is, this: if it's an unknown language, then Holy Spirit's going to give an interpretation for it. So you would know that by... It would be for the benefit of the, of the public. And then the, the other one is that it's assigned to unbelievers. You know, so powerful as these followers of Jesus felt compelled and they began to speak in other languages. Um, in, in, the, in Acts chapter 2, people came to know Jesus because of it. It wasn't the opposite where people were like, those guys are weird. I don't want nothing to do with them. Get out of here. 3,000 people came. Why? Because People allowed the power of Holy Spirit to operate in their lives. And the last thought is that it's for building up the church. When Paul's talking about this, this one that's for public thing, it's for building up the church, building it together. And then there's the other one, which I would call personal. Um, personal speaking in, other, uh, in, in, in unknown um, languages, speaking in, in tongues. It's a personal thing. And, and as Paul writes about this, we say, I say private, but it's, again, not quite the right word. Personal is better. It says, you know, it's as our spirit wills. That a person who's praying, praying to God in an unknown language can do that as they will. It's like, oh, we'll see in a second where, where that comes from. It's communication with God. It's not talking to other people. That's why it's personal. So he says, know the difference between the two. If there's a personal praying in, in an unknown language, that's just for you and him. Then it says it's not necessarily a known language. You know, there's some earbuds. I don't know if you guys have realized this. It was a little back further. There's an app for understanding languages. I mean, this would be uh, that you put the earbuds in your ears, and then you collect it to your smartphone. And so when somebody's talking to you in Spanish or Dutch, you just click the language you, that they're speaking, and it'll translate it into English for you. That would be amazing. But, but that's also, it's also really, you know, kind of, you'd be able to find out real easily now if, uh, if tongues were from the Lord or not in a public gathering. Just like, all right, here, talk to the app. I'll tell you if that's a language or not. Uh, no kidding, eh? But Paul was saying, you know, since you guys don't have the app in Corinth, I'm going to explain to you how you know the difference. 
And so he was saying that the whole idea is there are certain ones that are for public and the, the ones that are private. It's not necessarily a known language because it's just you and God. It doesn't need to be interpreted. Nobody's got to give the interpretation for it because it's you and God. It's not a sign for unbelievers. So he's like, don't use your personal prayer language around other people. They're going to think you're nuts. Uh, but he says it's, it's also not for building up the church corporately. It's for building up you individually. And so if we say, ah, oh, this whole thing about speaking to unknown languages is so confusing, I just want nothing to do with that. And maybe that's you this morning, and I'm not trying to change your mind. Maybe I can say this. People afterwards last night came up and said, do we have to do that? I'm like, no, you don't have to do that. It's not a salvation issue. It's not like if, you, if you're like, ah. But for some, it's like this thing, it's really intriguing to you. It's like something on the inside. And I, I would say that's the steps. That's sometimes where Holy Spirit has this a different, uh, different steps. And it's not that... You know, the person who's like, do I have to is here. And the other person is like, yeah, so I'd like to try that. They're all the way up here in the road as if there's some distance between the two. He said in, in Corinthians, it's not about us comparing ourselves with other people. It doesn't matter if, if there's, there is no there and here. There is no they're less spiritual, they're more spiritual when it comes to this stuff. It, it was really not about that. It's simply about the relationship with Holy Spirit. Is that closer with you and him than it was when you were way back there. What's the relationship with him? And that's the thing that we just wanted to talk about and encourage and hopefully um, bring a, a little bit of clarity. Why talk about it? For some of you, like, yeah, that's my question. You know, this is a little confusing. This is like, I, I don't know. For some, it's like it causes division. Why talk about it? Here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14. He said, pursue love. Intentional action. Go after love. Loving one another, the action types of love. And then he says, and desire spiritual life. Pursue it. Earnestly pursue living life with Holy Spirit. How many of you would describe your week that, that your week looked like that this week? I'll turn around just so I don't have to see all the hands. But earnestly desire living by the Spirit. When you woke up in the morning, oh, good morning, Holy Spirit. Let's have breakfast. And, you know, I'm just, I'm excited to do this day with you. Help me to be led by you today as I'm reading your word. Help me to, help me to see what you want me to see this morning. And God, if there's people that come across my life at work or wherever... Help me just to know that uh, um, what you desire for me. I'm just open to you. Help me to remain open to you. God, I want all that you want for me. Paul's saying, this is what I'm asking. He says, this is what I'm encouraging you. Go after all that he has for you. And he says, you know, but especially that you would prophesy, or especially that idea of speaking in, in, a, in a known language uh, and, and helping people to understand. And then Paul, because this church, this church's issue was that they, they were speaking in unknown languages all the time. Nobody had any sweet clue what they were talking about. They weren't reaching any lost people because lost people thought they were weird. And, and he, says, I, he says, listen, you guys are misusing something that God desires for you. He says, when you're all together, I want you to talk in English, talk in a well, whatever their language was, talk in that language so they understand. But then he alludes to this other part of, of where this idea of praying in tongues or praying in an unknown language has in our lives. So I just want to read through 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I'm just going to go through it um, as, as we kind of finish with this thought this morning. And I know for some of you, like that means it's like 30 more minutes, but it's this, uh, this, this thought of where are the two different things? So because because it's, you know, in the, in the Bible, it's not in colors, but I color-coded it for you so that you can understand the two different types. There's one where it's public for the public, and the other one's private for, or personal for people. Um, so, so here we go. It says, still says 1030, but it's not, so we're just going to finish this. For he, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, 
He says, if you're praying in, a, in, a, in an unknown language, the private one, the personal one, that's what he's talking about. You're not speaking to men. This isn't a sign for unbelievers. It's to God. It says, um, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. And then he says, you know, people who prophesy, they're exhorting people. In verse 4, he says, he who speaks in, in, in an unknown language personally, he edifies himself. For some of you, like, why, why bother? It says it builds up your spirit, man. It builds you up on the inside. See, we're spirit, soul, and body. And it's that spirit-to-spirit God connection. He says it's building you up. In Jude, it talks about it too. He says, listen, build yourselves up, praying in, in Holy Spirit. And in Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about the armor of God, which is very personal stuff. You know, put on these, this armor. He says, but also pray always in the Spirit because it's building you up. It's doing something on the inside. It's not something you necessarily feel, but it's incredible. I can tell you this. As I was driving to, uh, to the hospital the other night with my son in the back, Beth's holding him. I knew he was hurt, and his arm was all mangled. And as we're driving, I'm like, I'm praying because for what I know to pray, you know, he's got a broken arm. And but then I, I ran out of words, but I didn't run out of prayer. I was like, what do I? There's something on the inside that was just still. And, and so as I began to just pray, I, just, I didn't have the words. I was like, God, I'm just, just going to communicate with you. And as I'm driving down there, I probably should have been praying that I wouldn't get a speeding ticket. But, uh, you know, it's, I was, it's just allowing Holy Spirit to pray. And guess what happened? As I'm driving, I'm frantic. All of a sudden, this peace just comes over me. It's like, oh, you know what? God, you know. You know, I don't have to get all worked up over this. You're with us. And it begins to just, where did that come from? Nothing changed on the outside. Something happened from the inside. Paul says to them this in verse 5, I wish you all spoke with tongues. Here's the one he was saying to them, you know what, not all together, but I wish you all had that private, personal prayer language. Um, but even more that you prophesied, for he who prophesied is more effective than he who speaks in a personal language, unless he interprets it that the church might receive. So he's saying if it's in public, there's got to be some interpretation. But he says, but, and then he explains to them over the next number of verses that if I came to you speaking in an unknown language, nobody's going to understand. He's like, be aware of the people that are around you. And he says if you, in verse 12, since you're so zealous for spiritual life and for these things of the Spirit, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. She says, therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue, which is in, in public, he says, pray that he might interpret. And then Paul says this, for if I pray, if I pray in an unknown language, which is personal, he says, my, my spirit is praying. My mind doesn't understand it, and that's okay. It doesn't have to understand. He says, my spirit's praying to, uh, to God. And he says, and I'll, he, says, so, um, he says, so what's the conclusion? He says, I'm going to pray with my spirit, and I'm going to pray with my understanding. And for some of you, it's like, you know, I'm going to pray with my understanding. That's where it's at. No problem. Paul said, you know, I wish that everybody would pray at this building, building up their own spirits. But he says, I'll, I'll sing with the spirit. I'll bless with the spirit. But he says, it's that idea of all this being personal. He says in verse 18, I thank my God that I speak with tongues more than you all. He's talking about that private prayer life. He says in verse 19, he says, yet in the church. When we're together, he says, I'd rather speak in, in a known language than 10,000 words in my personal prayer language because it doesn't benefit anybody. And so that's what he's, he's talking about. And he says to them in verse 20, brothers, I don't want you to be children and understanding. I want you to be mature. I want you to understand what this is, what this is all about. And then if we, as Paul carries on in verse 22, he says, therefore, tongues are for a sign not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. And that's that public thing where it's spoken out and it's by Holy Spirit. He says, but prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. He says, therefore, if the whole church is together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, won't they say that you're out of your mind? 
So is Paul saying to them, he's like, is he contradicting himself? Because in one sentence he says it's, it's a sign for unbelievers, and in the very next sentence he says it's not for unbelievers, they're going to think you're weird. It's so confusing unless you realize he's saying, hey, if you speak in a private tongue in public, if you speak in your private prayer language around people, they're going to think you're weird. But it's, still, there's a power in it for you personally. Paul goes through, he says, you know what, be aware. Be aware of those who are around you. Um, as it goes on from 26 through, he gives them some guidelines. And he says in verse, uh, I just want to go to verse 28 real quick. He says, therefore, he says, if you're all together and, and, you know, you're praying in an unknown language and there's no interpreter, he says, let them keep silent. But he says this, he doesn't say let them just stop. He says, let him speak to, to, uh, to himself and to God. Again, that personal prayer language is something he's, he, he references. And so the last, the last verse is, Verse 39, there's so much more, but you can dig this one up at home. He says, therefore, brothers, desire earnestly. Go after that idea of, of prophecy, of speaking in a known language, encouraging one another. But he said this, don't forbid. Don't forbid to speak with other languages. I think he means both kinds. Don't, be, don't have this thing where you're afraid of it, where you're, you know, uh, uh, denying it or whatever. He says, you know, we're not going to forbid that, but know how to use it. Know where it takes place. And so that leaves me with this thought. You know, for some of you here, the question comes down to this, what is the next step for you in your journey with Christ? What is the next step in your journey with Holy Spirit? As you're hearing this, for some, you're like, ah, I'm not really sure. That's all right. Why aren't you too sure? Maybe he's like, hey, you know what? I just got to examine this more for myself. Love it. I had some people last night come up and be like, we got to dig into this a little bit more because this is what I used to understand and taking the, taking a look at it. For some of you, you're like, yeah, I'm kind of curious. How, how, would, how would this happen in my life? Jesus said to his disciples in Luke 11, he said, if you... So if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your, to your own children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You know what that word ask is? It's like crave, almost like begging, desiring, so much um, calling for. He's like, you know what, if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus and he's your heavenly Father, he says you can ask him for Holy Spirit. And I think that's what his desire was for us, that we would just ask for Holy Spirit in our lives. And you know what? When it happens in your life, if it happens in your life, you'll, you'll know. You'll know that it's him. So the idea behind today is it's not about comparing ourselves with one another. It never has been. It's not this idea about being, you know, desiring to be spiritual so we can compare or show off our spirituality to others. It's this idea of each and every one of us individually walking out the relationship with Holy Spirit that not only affects us, but affects the world. See, we got a whole world around us who's looking for something genuine. They don't want to go to a church and just see and like, oh, you know, you know, how do I learn the routine? They got big time questions that they need big time answers for. They, there's people without hope. They're like, where am I going to find hope? There are people that need to know. And the Holy Spirit on the inside of us in relationship with us is a light and life to the world. It's about all desiring all that God desires for you, about fulfilling his mission walking with him. So my question again is, what's your next step? Are you open to that? Would you, you know, would you this week take the moments to say, God, would you speak through me? Would you, would help me to be aware of you? Would you fill me with you? I don't even know what that is or feels like or sounds like or looks like, but God, would you just fill me with you? Because I know it's good. Help me to live my life just desiring you and what it lives, what it means to live with you. He desires relationship with us that affects our relationships with others. It requires, as we started this whole series, we end it with the very same thought. He invites us into it. He can't make it happen in your life. He simply invites us in. So to today, the question is, where are you at? 
Are you just open to what he wants to do in your life? Or you feel like, eh, you know, I'm just going to live, kind of live my life. His desire and what he paid for is that chance to live life with him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your, for your word. Thank you that it's alive. Thank you that it's powerful. Thank you that it digs deep down in our hearts. Uh, Holy Spirit, I thank you for what was written. And I thank you for, for what uh, uh, was <laughs> preserved for us to be able to read even today. Uh, Lord, I thank you that, the, that you know exactly what the next step is for each of us and that you prick our hearts in, in the desires uh, and, and give us the desires to do and to go and to be who you desire us to, to be. And I, I just pray this morning as we go out from this place that knowing that we're with you, that you would carry, uh, continue to carry that on with us, that you'd lead us in uh, your paths for our life. Uh, Father, I thank you for the amazing things that can happen, the amazing testimonies and glory that can go to you as a result of this. Help us to live our lives this week full of you, led by you, guided by you, and, and living with you. In your name, for your glory we pray. Amen.